Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Good morning, good morning. Come on, it's the unofficial uh, beginning of summer. Um, Most of us would say that Memorial Day weekend is, uh, it's not the official beginning of summer. We know that that's in June, but uh, we kind of have this calendar that we go off of where it's Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day weekend. But how many of you know that Memorial Day weekend uh, is about so much more Uh, than us just getting to hang out with family and friends and grill some burgers, things like that, that there there are real people that sacrificed their life, and um, it's so that we could have the freedom that we experience today. It's so that we can even sit in this room and worship our God and uh, have the freedoms that we experience. I I love this. It kind of becomes cliche uh, if, if we're not careful, but freedom isn't free. Somebody had to fight for it. People are still fighting for it. And because of that, we want to take a moment and remember, uh, and we want to honor, is there anybody in uh, the 1045 service today that you've served in the armed forces in any capacity at all? Would you stand if there's anybody here today? All right, come on, can we honor? That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Thank you so much for your service. And uh, those that are in our church, even during the 9 o'clock service, that uh, have served in the armed forces. And I want to take just a moment before we get into the message, and, uh, and I want to pray for families in our country as a whole. Because there are a lot of, while, while we take an opportunity to honor and celebrate a lot of times, there are people all around our country that are uh, having a difficult time this weekend because of what it means. The, the husband that they lost, the wife that they lost, the friend that they lost. Uh, and we want to take just a moment to pray for them and uh, just believe that God's going to be wherever they are right now, uh, comforting them. So will you do that with me? Will you just bow your heads and let's pray for those that, uh, that may be struggling during this time because of somebody that they've lost. Lord, we thank you today for, uh, we thank you for men and women that have fought so that we can have freedom. Lord, we know that ultimately our freedom comes from you and we thank you that we are able to live and that we were born uh, or that we are able to reside in this amazing country. And uh, Lord, help us to not take it for granted, not for a moment. And Lord, I pray for every person all across this country that has lost someone that was near and dear to them um, fighting for our freedom or serving our country. And Lord, we know that you are the God of all comfort and that with the same comfort that we have received, we can offer that comfort to those around us. So, Lord, if we have people like that in our lives, Lord, that we, I pray that we would be comforting, um, that we would take the opportunity to comfort them and to love on them and to be with them. And, Lord, we thank you that ultimately you are our comfort and you are our peace. And so I pray that you would be with those that are struggling during this time as, as what this, repre- this weekend represents. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Hey, just a couple of things really quick, and then we're going to get into the message today. Um, those that, if, if you have children that, uh, that are in classes that are by age, obviously they, when they age, go to the next age, they go ahead and move into their class. Those that are by grade, which will be those coming out of iGen, which will be coming out of fourth grade, going into fifth grade, they're going to be going into our iClub ministry, which meets during this service after worship uh, next door in the building behind us. And uh, they have a great time over there and just experience teaching and community and growth. And so those next weekend is when everybody moves up. So we don't wait until the fall when everybody goes back to school. We go ahead and and, uh, allow those to move up. And those that are coming out of sixth grade and going into seventh grade are now going to be moving into our youth ministry, which we're excited about. And so that's happening this week. And so we wanted to let you know about that um, because you'll be... Uh, you know, your, your tags, whenever you check kids in, things like that, they may look a little bit different because of everybody aging up and, and uh, going into a new, another grade. Our grow groups um, are, are live online. There may be one or two more that are added this week, um, so you can keep, keep uh, an eye out for those. But we would encourage you, as you saw in the video, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. Um, we know, I said it last week, and we know you're going to be gone. We love that you're going to take vacation, and you're going to be gone for a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know. 
um, whatever that is, and we want you to do that. But when you're here, let's be in community. Let's continue to be growing together and uh, be present when you're here, when you're able. And so we would love for you to do that. You can go on the app and you can see those groups that are on there, what evenings they're on and uh, times, locations, all those details. And then the last thing is we've been in a thing called May We Pray through the month of May. This Tuesday night is our final May We Pray night. Um, And we've had a great time with, with several people showing up and just praying for the lost in our community, praying for churches, uh, praying for our leadership and our country and, and our city and, and uh, praying for our marriages and families and our personal relationships with God. It's been, it's been an awesome time from 6 to 7 on Tuesdays. We want to invite you to come out this Tuesday. And I also want to let you know, uh, even though May We Pray is ending, um, we felt led to, uh, my wife and I were talking about it and I had spoken with the elders about it and we were just feeling led to have this be something that we do more on a regular basis. So we're going to begin something as May ends, what we're calling First Tuesday Prayer. And so the first Tuesday of every month from 6 to 7, uh, we're going to be able to gather in here and pray. And so we want you to put that on your calendar and, and plan to be present, plan to, to come be in the presence of God and uh, take some time to worship. We had an awesome time last Sunday night. If you missed it, man, you missed out. Uh, It was an incredible time in the presence of God with our night of worship. Um, But first Tuesday prayer, that's going to be starting in June, and so uh, we want to invite you out to that. We believe that prayer is vitally important, um, that we are missing something so important to our lives when we don't take time to pray. And so we want it to be a habit, a daily habit for you, but also an opportunity where we can come together corporately and do that as well. So last weekend, uh, I told you we were starting a brand new series that we're calling Red Letters, and we're looking through the teachings of Jesus. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible where the words of Jesus are in red, um, I would encourage you to even read through those as we're going through this series. It'd be a great way for you to learn and grow, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And uh, so we're in this series. Last weekend, uh, we talked about fighting together. And we looked at Jesus' instructions on how to handle uh, if somebody sins against you or if you see something in somebody's life um, and you're like, man, it seems like they're veering off or I'm seeing, you know, a sinful pattern or something like that. And how we can lovingly go to them and we're told, hey, don't, don't, don't go to anybody else. Like, go to that person and, and with, the, with the heart and the goal of winning a person, not winning an argument or, you know, restoring, not being right, but restoring that person back onto the path that Jesus has called us to. So we talked about that some last week, and I would encourage you to uh, go back and check out that message if you missed it. But today, I want to kind of piggyback off of what we talked about last week with a message that I am calling First Things First. Somebody say First Things First. First Things First. Um, So I was thinking as and processing through different things that we're going to be teaching on in this series, and last weekend, um, to spend, you know, 45 minutes on three verses was was a lot of a lot to go through and it was very practical but I want to piggyback off of that today with another message um, that I think will help us kind of bring some resolve to maybe some questions you've had some things that you've read in the Bible that you're like man I don't know why does it say this here but this here and this over here and I think um, about and process what Jesus is teaching us through handling offenses in the right way handling those that sin against us in the right way And we also have to make sure in that process that we don't become a judgmental person. Right? We have to make sure that we're we're handling things the way that Jesus has called us to handle it, but that in that process we don't become a judgmental person, picking apart everything that we see every other person do. You know what I'm saying? Like, when somebody sins against you, Jesus says, go to them, and it's like you're you're just like going all the time. You know, it's like, hey, I see this, and I see that, and you said this, and you did this, or whatever. Or you become judgmental of other people in your life because you think, man, everybody is just out to get me, or everybody is, you know, always causing me offense, and this, you know, and that. And I would encourage you to, to not be, um, to work at it and seek the Lord to not be an, an offendable person. All right? So I want to I jump in. Our main text today is going to be from the most famous sermon, you could say, that was ever preached that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at it in Matthew, but we're also going to look at it in, in Luke as well. And so a crowd is gathered around Jesus, and his disciples come to him, and it says Jesus starts teaching. And one of the things that he teaches them is what we're going to talk about today. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to make mention of, we're going to read about five or six verses uh, from Matthew and then from Luke. And, and I want to talk to you for just a moment, really at the beginning of the message, but we could kind of say it kind of weaves its way throughout on your favorite verse. 
Okay, I know this is your favorite verse. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, this is your favorite verse in the Bible. And so this is, this is in Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 1. It says, do not judge. And everybody said, amen. amen. So that you won't be judged, right? Anybody ever made that cut? Like, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge. This, is our, this seems like one of our most favorite verses in the Bible. And a lot of times we take it out of context and we use it to get away with whatever we want to do because you can't judge me. And I want to reconcile what Jesus teaches us where, and what Paul would say, as we're going to look in a moment, to where there is a responsibility that we have, but that Jesus would also say, do not judge so that you won't be judged. He goes on, he says, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And then we look over at Luke chapter 6, the same, uh, the same teaching uh, but there's a little more, little more in this one. Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42, Jesus mentions these same things. He says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take, the splinter out that, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. So last week... We talked about when somebody sins against you or whenever you're offended, somebody has caused an offense in your life, how we're called to handle that very practically, you know, going to them, bringing one or two people, taking it to the church, and how if we would operate in this way, we would save ourselves a lot of trouble, a lot of issues, a lot of problems, because we would handle things the way that the Word of God and the way Jesus taught us to handle it. So we talked about that last week, where if I, if I see something or something happens, I'm to go to you, I'm to point that out, I'm to try to restore you back on the path that Jesus has for us. And then we read where Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For the same way that, that you judge others is the way that you will be judged. And so I begin to read this, and I read Matthew 18, and I read some other places in Scripture, and I think, which one is it? Do we judge or do we not judge? Am I called to judge or am I not called to judge? And I would submit to you that the answer is both. And what I want to try to do for the next few minutes is give you three, three points, three headings that I think are going to help us understand and reconcile where in places of Scripture it says that you are called to judge, but then Jesus would say, do not judge or you will be judged. And so I want to kind of talk through this and what I feel like the Lord has been showing me. I think that it's both. And so here's point number one. We discern and judge. We discern and judge. We're taught through Scripture that we have a responsibility to lovingly help other believers. We talked about this last week. There are other places in Scripture. We're going to read a few of them here in just a moment. But there are places in Scripture where we're taught that, hey, you're, this is what you're called to do. We said it last week. We asked the question, when I think about being a part of a body of believers, being a part of the church, what do I think of? Part of that is that I'm called to look out for you. You're called to look out for me. And we are helping each other, not winning an argument, but winning a person, not trying to be right, but trying to restore whenever we see something going on in somebody else's life. And so we, we, we were talking about this last week. Part of what we're talking about last week with this instruction of Jesus was to go speak to the other person if you notice that they're veering off or there's sin in their life. But I believe that Jesus' teaching here in the Gospels is where he says, do not judge, or he's talking about not judging. He's not talking about evaluating the fruit of a person's life. He's not talking about do not discern, do not evaluate. 
Do not help your brother and sister in Christ that you see is on a path that, that you don't think they should be on or that you know according to the word of God is not going to be good for them. So he's not talking about evaluating or judging the fruit of a person's life or desiring to help someone who's gone astray. Because Jesus also told us in the same sermon on the mount that we will know people by their fruit. This is just a few verses later in Matthew 7. He says, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. In other words, he says, you're going to be able to see the fruit of their life, and you're going to be able to recognize this person is not really following Jesus. This person has something going on in their life, and, and they're not following Jesus in a way like the fruit that is coming out of their life and being produced in their life does not represent what Jesus said it would represent or what Paul told us that it would represent. If you look in Galatians, we talk about living according to the flesh or living according to spirit and the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. He says, you're going to know them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. He said, in other words, he's saying you need to watch out for, for false prophets and here's how you're going to know. You'll be able to tell. They may say one thing, but the fruit that's coming out of their life will be something completely different. And so Jesus is making this point about being able to notice the fruit of a person's life. Paul tells us, that we are responsible for judging those inside of the church. And this is part of that accountability portion that we were talking about last week. Whenever you become a part of the body, that there's accountability in that. And that we're called, you know, as Paul would say, look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, for what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside. God judges outsiders. And I know we're just picking out two verses here, but I want to make mention of this for just a moment because many of us have gotten in the habit of, of judging people outside. What do I mean by outside? I'm talking about people that have never surrendered their life to Jesus. They are not a believer. They are not a follower of Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Why are we surprised when people who are not saved live their life in a way that shows they're not saved? We are not called to judge. I think that Paul, I think that this is in the Bible, even for today, because we sometimes get so focused on what's going on outside of the family of God and trying to judge people on the outside. Now listen, we're called to go to them and preach the gospel and share Jesus with them and share the love of Jesus with them and lead them to him, you know, to be a light, you know, be salt and light in the earth. We're called to do all of those things, but we're not called to judge them. Because they're not a part of the body. They're not a follower of Jesus. And sometimes we get shocked by what people do, but people that aren't following Jesus are probably going to act like they're not following Jesus. The problem becomes when people that are supposed to be following Jesus begin to act like they're not following Jesus. And Paul says those are the situations where this person is a part of the body, they're inside the church, that you need to go to them and you need to say, hey, I'm seeing this in your life. I'm seeing this you know, pattern in your life. I'm seeing that you're going down this path and I want to help bring you back. Will you allow me to help you get back on the right path? It says God judges the ones that are outside. Paul lets us know that as a part of the body of Christ or as a part of the church, we have this responsibility, as we said it last week, to look out for one another. That's really what it is is that I love you and care about you enough to point out something to you that I'm like, that's going to hurt you. That's not going to be God's best for your life. Like, this is what Jesus has called us to as we follow him. And so there is that responsibility to look out for one another, to go to a fellow believer if we see something going on in their life that is contrary to what it means to follow Jesus, or to judge the fruit of a person's life, to know who they really are and if they really are a believer, and sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is share your concern for what you're seeing in someone else's life. Sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is to go to that person and say, man, I just, like, I love you, and I'm not here to be right. But I just see what's going on in your life, and I love you, and I want to help you, if you'll allow me to help you. I want to, I want to help you get back on the right path. I want to help you get in the right direction. So we're called to provide accountability for each other in these ways. And so that begs the question, then what is Jesus talking about when he says, do not judge? 
If Jesus himself said, do not judge so that you won't be judged, what does he mean by do not judge? Well, I want to give you, as I was studying this out, um, the next couple points are going to be talking about that specifically. So here's point number two. What and how are you judging? What and how are you judging? Now notice I did not say who are you judging. Because Paul would tell us we're not called to judge outsiders, we're called to judge those inside the church, which really is a better way of saying distinguishing or discerning or helping, holding accountable, those type of things. That would be a better way that we could even say it that would help us understand this a little bit better. But it's not about who are you judging as much as it is, I think, about what and how are you judging. Because Jesus says in Matthew 7 and in Luke 6 that we're not to judge and so I think I want to give you some subpoints under point number two. I want to go through four things, and we'll go through them pretty quickly. But four things that I think we have a tendency to lean into whenever we think about, whenever we think about judging other people, whenever we think about holding others accountable or going to someone, whatever, you want, whatever terminology you want to put on it, whenever we think about these things, I think there are four areas, four topics, that we have a tendency to lean maybe in the wrong direction. And instead of doing it in the way that God has called us to, we step over the line and we begin to do it in a way that we're not called to. So here's, here's uh, I have it in here as A, subpoint A under point number two, and that's motives. Motives. Sometimes we have a tendency in, if, if, if we're called to hold each other accountable and we're called to judge those that are inside, here's, here's the reality is we can, we can see the fruit of a person's life. We can see the outward expression of maybe what's going on in them, but we don't know the motive. We don't fully know what's going on in that person's life. And so sometimes we step into an area to where we start, instead of trying to restore a person, or instead of trying to point something out that's being harmful to a person, we begin to judge motive. And so we start thinking, well, this is the reason why they're doing that. This must be what's going on behind the scenes. And we, we, we were never called to judge the motive of a person. We can see the fruit. We can see maybe the outward expression or the, the habit that is you know, coming out in their life because of what they're going through. But I don't feel like we're called to judge a motive. And I believe there are many times when we're, we are called to step into a situation with a heart of love and compassion to try to bring another believer, a brother or sister in Christ back onto the right path. But the danger is when we move from a heart of lovingly helping someone who is living their life in a way that dishonors God, when we move from that lovingly and compassionately helping somebody into an attack on somebody's motive. Because you don't know the things that I deal with and the thoughts that I struggle with and the things that the enemy tries to, to attack me with. And I don't know all of the things and the thoughts that you struggle with and what's going on in your marriage and how you were raised and how you were brought up and the things that have led you to believe the way that you believe or to act in the way that you act. And so I can't really tell you what your motive is. I can't really see what's going on in your heart, so to speak. But I can discern and I can judge off of the fruit. Here's the second thing. You know, we can see the fruit of a person's life and their decisions, but only God can see the heart and the motive. So here's the second thing under this. What or how are you judging is appearance. Um, we're not called to judge by appearance. Look at this verse in John chapter 7, verse 24. It says, stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. You ever, made, you ever made a judgment on somebody based on appearance? Anybody? It seemed one way, and so you made a judgment call. It appeared one way, and so you made a judgment call. I was thinking back, you know, Samuel in the Bible, in the Old Testament, he's looking, you know, he's looking, and you can go read this, he's looking for the next king. Saul has been king, he's looking for the next king, and he's going to anoint the next king, and he goes into Jesse's house, and Jesse's got all of his sons except for David in the house, and so he's going through, he's like, yeah, that guy looks strong, and he's handsome, he must be the one. And when push comes to shove, God says, don't judge by outward appearance. You look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. God knows what's going on in the heart, and we're not called to judge people by the outward appearance. Jesus here is pointing out, I think, that these people, even the ones that he's speaking to, and the Pharisees are there, and all of this, that, that they were judging people based on an it-seems-like scenario instead of what actually was. 
like there was an appearance of something, and so we're going to judge based on that. And don't we have a tendency to do the same? Anybody ever made a judgment call based on what it seemed like? And then later on you found out what it actually was, and you had to go back and apologize or you had to go back and, and make things right because mm, I was making decisions off of what it seemed like, but I really didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I really didn't know what was actually going on in your life and how you were struggling with your parents going through that and that led you to do this or whatever. And I was trying to make judgment calls, but I, but I didn't know what the motive was and I was just looking at the appearance of it. We're not called to judge based on appearance. We have a tendency to do this, you know, we do this with people in our lives. We do this, you know, with churches. You know, like it seems like this church is all about this because they have or do this. And so we make a judgment call, like on appearance. Like, we're, like we can see into everything that's going on. Or it seems like this person is blank because they feel like blank is okay. And we make judgment calls and we judge people in a way that well, it seems like this is what's going on. It, like, because they feel like that is okay, then, th- then they are not as good of a follower of Jesus as me. Because we all know that's not okay. We all know that we shouldn't be doing that. We all know that we shouldn't be entering into that. We all know that we shouldn't believe in that. And so based on appearance, we're making judgment calls. Look at James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He writes, he says, My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, stand over there and sit on the floor by my footstool, haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become, look at this phrase, judges with evil thoughts? In other words, you're looking at the appearance and you're telling this person, hey, you can sit here, but you need to sit back there because of how you look or because of how you appear because of what I think I know about you. And he says, when you do that, haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and you have actually become judges with evil thoughts? And you're not judging in the way that Scripture tells us to. If we're not careful, we can actually become judges with evil thoughts and our standard of judgment becomes dishonest because we're focused on the wrong things. So now we're judging the wrong things. And it's not about restoring a person. It's not about restoring a relationship. It's not about bringing somebody back on the right path. It's not about trying to help somebody through their sin. But now we're judging the wrong things. Here's the, the third thing, or, or point number C, sub-point number C, under point number two, is opinion. Opinion. So we've gone through here. We've talked about motives. We're not called to judge motives or by appearance. Um, there are things mentioned in the Word of God that are, that are called sin. They are called not honoring to God. I believe we are called to a higher standard as followers of Jesus. And we're called to confront those things lovingly with a heart to win a person, not win an argument. But then there are also things that are simply a matter of opinion. I had somebody tell me one time, and it stuck with me ever since. They said, if the Bible doesn't speak directly to something, don't try to make a doctrine out of what it doesn't speak directly to. Don't, don't try to create something that the Bible really doesn't say. And sometimes we get caught up in our opinion versus their opinion versus their opinion versus their opinion. Listen, how many of you would say that you have a different opinion on things than the person sitting next to you? How many of you would say you have a different opinion on something Right, as you're following Jesus and that person is following Jesus, that you have a different opinion on that type of thing than what they do. And we've had conversations, I've had conversations with people, and sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. That this is not an issue of right or wrong. This is not like a biblical, like you're living in sin or you're not living in sin or whatever, but sometimes we just have a different opinion. And we're not called to judge based on our opinion. That's not what God has called us to. And sometimes we step over this line of, well, this is my opinion, and our opinion becomes more important than a person. And so we enter into judging based on opinion. I believe that we are taught that we don't have to share our opinion or judge things that really aren't a matter 
of right and wrong. Sometimes we just have a different opinion. There have probably been things that I have said from this platform in a message that you're like, I don't know. And, I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I'm usually, I try to be pretty careful that when it's just my opinion to say, this is my opinion. And there are probably 50% of you in here that when I say, this is my opinion, and I say what my opinion is, you're like, I don't know. That's great for you. But I have a different opinion. And as long as it's not sin, and as long as it's not directly related to the Word of God, like the Word of God says, this is what you're supposed to do. And there are a lot of things. You need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. Because God has a standard for our lives. And there are things that we are called to do and not to do and to do in a certain way. And the Bible's very clear on a lot of things. But sometimes we just have a different opinion. And that's okay. I don't have to hate you because you have a different opinion. And you don't have to hate me because I have a different opinion. Sometimes it's just a matter of opinion. Romans chapter 14, I love this, says, Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does. Because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord he stands or falls. And he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. You know what I believe this is talking about? Things that are just a matter of opinion. Like one person decides that they want to eat in this way and another person's like, oh, I don't think that's right. I think I need to, like, I'm only going to eat vegetables. Come on, somebody. (laughs) That's not me. And I'm not called to judge you based on what your take of something is and how you want to operate in that way. And you're not called to judge me based on that type of thing because it's, it's not a matter of right and wrong or a sinful behavior. It's just an opinion. I had somebody tell me after the 9 o'clock service, they said, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you were talking about off-brand and name-brand cereal, right? If you choose to eat off-brand cereal and I choose to eat name-brand cereal, I'm joking, all right? I said, this, I said this before after that. I felt like I needed to come back the next week and like circle back around to that, okay? We have plenty of off-brand stuff in our house, right? We believe in off-brand. Come on, it's cheaper. A lot of it does taste just as good. It's fine. Come on, don't feel condemned. But the point is, that there are some things that are just a matter of opinion. You feel one way about something, I feel a different way about something, and that's okay. But I'm not called to judge you based on my opinion. And then here's the fourth one before we move on to point number three. The fourth sub-point is this, criticism. Judging each other as a way of accountability and criticism are not the same. And we have a tendency sometimes to step over the line of trying to help somebody and doing what the Bible tells us to do, and then we end up crossing over the line and we become critical. And here's, look at this in James chapter 4. Look at what James chapter 4 says. James writes this, he says, Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? And you read stuff like that, and it's like, okay, Jesus says, do not judge so that you will not be judged, and who are you to judge your neighbor? But we're called to judge those inside of the church. I think that we have to reconcile these things in our heart to understand what the Bible is really calling us to do. And one of those things is to not become critical. Not to become critical. James said, don't criticize one another. And the word that we translate as criticize is a Greek word that can also mean slander. Don't, don't slander other people. Don't, don't slander, you know, what, what seems like something on the surface and so you begin to slander that person. Or you feel like you're trying to help somebody and they don't want to listen to you and so then it turns into to criticism and it turns into slander. The word that we translate as judge is a Greek word that can also mean to distinguish. And how many of you would agree that there seems like there's a difference between, between slandering and distinguishing? On one hand, you've got slandering, you've got criticism. On the other hand, you've got what is called judging, but it can also mean to distinguish. 
There's a big difference between me trying to distinguish and me trying to help and me trying to restore and me, and me coming to you and, and doing everything in love than there is me crossing the line and now I'm becoming critical. I'm becoming critical about everything going on. So while we're called to provide accountability by judging those who are a part of the body of Christ or the church, we're not called to use this as an opportunity to judge motives or judge by appearance or judge by opinion or judge with criticism. And here's what Jesus said about the way that we judge others. I don't know if you picked up on this, but this is what Jesus said. He said, you will be judged by the same standard you judge others and you will be measured by the same measure that you use. If there's any part of you, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I felt in my spirit. If I'm judging the way that the scripture calls me to judge as a brother or sister in Christ with a loving, compassionate heart, and that's the standard that I'm using, then I don't mind if you use that standard against me or if you use the same standard with me. Because I know that behind this is love and compassion and restoration and all these, and I would hope that you would want to love me and have compassion on me and restore me. I don't mind that as much. If, if, if that's the way I'm operating, then if that's measured back to me, okay. But if anything in you, when you read that verse and you see that Jesus said, you know, by the, the, the standard that you use, that's the standard that's going to be used for you. And the way that you are measuring, that's what's going to be measured back to you. If anything in you feels like, mm, then you may need to look inside. Because if there are ways that you're judging other people that you would not want somebody to, to use that same standard, that same measure to help you, If we're doing it in the right way, then I don't mind if you do it in the same way. But when I'm not doing it in the right way, the thought of you doing to me what I may have done to you rubs me the wrong way. And Jesus said, hey, the same standard and the same measure that you use, that's how it's going to be measured back to you. But that's a good thing when we're doing it God's way and not stepping into our own way. Are you still with me? All right. Point number three. I want to take just a few minutes on this one because I really feel like this may be the most important thing that we talk about today. In light of everything that we talked about last week, and if you haven't heard that message, you need to go back and listen to that message, and in light of everything we talked, up to, talked about up to this point, this may be the most important thing that we talk about. Here's point number three. Look inward before looking around. Look inward before looking around. This is the point in Jesus' teaching where I truly believe he gives us the solution to the tension that we feel with, do we judge, do we not judge, what is the right way to judge, what is the wrong way to judge. I think that this is where Jesus gives us the solution. He says, here is the answer. If you'll operate in this way, then I believe that we will have the right motive, we will have the right heart, all of those things. He says, look inward before looking around and isn't it true come on can we be honest today isn't it true that as people we have a natural tendency to treat others more severely than we treat ourselves here's how we could say this all right i want justice for you and grace for me i i have a tendency to judge your motive but i don't want you to judge mine because i know i didn't mean it that way you just took it wrong. I didn't mean it that way. I was just, I was doing it in love. I was just doing it in love. But I, but I don't want to give you the same grace that I want for myself. And Jesus says, you need to look inward before you ever look around. We can see the faults in others more easily than we can see them in ourselves. We can see someone else's sin more easily than we can see our own. And listen to this, we can talk about someone else's sin more easily than we can talk about our own. Woo! Mm. It is way easier, way easier for me to talk about your sin than to talk about mine. And Jesus is telling us, he says, here's what you need to do before you ever look around, before you ever try to help somebody else. You need to look inside 
And I want to talk about this for just a moment. I want us to look back at Luke chapter 6, just a few verses that we read earlier, but this is Jesus speaking. He says, he also told them a parable. He says, can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. Did you notice the terminology that Jesus used? He refers to what I see in you as a splinter, but what's going on in me as a beam of wood. Some translations would say a log. He says, there's a piece of, one translation I read, I think it said it, that they're, like you are trying to take a piece of sawdust out of your brother's eye when you have a log in yours. He says, how can you, how can you see clearly to help somebody else when you're walking around with a log in your own eye? And I think, I want to give you, I want to give you two possibilities. I think that both of them are probably correct um, but this is my opinion. Here I go. Um, I think that both of these are, are probably correct. I think that on the one hand, Jesus, you know, there are Pharisees there and people that are, are living hypocritical lives. Hypocritical is like you say one thing, but you do something completely different. You have one standard for everybody else, but then you don't even hold yourself to that same standard. So he's talking to, there are hypocritical people around, and he even calls them hypocrite. This is, this is you know, one, one thing that I think about this verse, I think that Jesus may have been referring to a splinter and a, and a beam of wood as like, hey, the things that you're doing, the way that you are living hypocritically is a way bigger deal than what's going on in their life. That's a splinter and this is a beam of wood. You cannot even see because there is a huge beam of wood in your eye. So I think that Jesus is referring to some of that. But I also think that Jesus was making a point with his terminology. Jesus didn't say anything by accident. When you read the red letters in your Bible, everything was on purpose. Sometimes we just have to dig a little bit to figure out, like, what, what is it that Jesus was talking about? What is he trying to communicate to me? Another thing, I also think that Jesus was making a point that you dealing with the sin and issues in your own life is way more important to him than you being able to fix everybody else around you. It's like a speck of sawdust, a splinter in somebody's eye, and don't we have a great way of seeing everybody else's splinters and failing to see the beam of wood that's in our own eye. And I think that Jesus is saying, I would rather, I would rather help you deal with the beam of wood that is in your life that is way more important to me than you being able to see everybody else's splinter and trying to help them. I think he's saying, I, I would rather help you. You looking inward is way more important than you ever looking around. I used this illustration one time when I was talking about this specific passage in another message. And it's almost like Jesus gives us this picture of this beam of wood and we're walking around trying to help everybody and everywhere that we turn, we whack somebody with our beam of wood like when we're trying to get close. Like there's a splinter in your eye and when I get close enough to you, I start hurting you with the beam of wood that's in my eye because I haven't dealt with the beam of wood that's in my eye before I'm trying to get close to you to help you. And Jesus, I think he's saying you need to look inward before you ever look around. We can go around trying to fix everyone else's sin and everyone else's issues and we can actually cause more damage because we haven't dealt with what's going on inside of us. And it's so much easier for me to talk about your sin than talk about my own. It's so much easier for me to see your sin than it is to see my own. But Jesus says, no, you're, what's going on in your life is like a beam of wood. And I want to help you deal with that before you go around trying to remove splinters from other people's eyes because you can't see clearly enough to help that person when you haven't been healed of what you have going on inside of you 
And Jesus wants to heal what's going on inside of you. And sometimes we focus so much on others' sin around us because we don't see our own or we don't want to deal with our own. And it's easier for me to point it out in you than it is for me to deal with what's going on in me. And a lot of what I'm pointing out in you probably has to do with what's going on in me. The reason I cross these lines and I become critical is it's, it's not as much about what you do as it is what's going on in me. The reason I cross this line and I start judging based on appearance and I start trying to judge other people's motives is because there's something going on in me. And God wants to deal with what's going on in me so that I can begin to help other people. So I can see clearly to be able to help other people. So I can see what he's trying to point out to me so that I can be a help to other people. I want to bring the worship team back. When we're focused on the sin or the offense in someone else's life, before we deal with what's going on inside of ourselves, we have a tendency to become judgmental. We have a tendency to become harsh and pessimistic, impatient. We have a tendency to become a finger pointer. We're pointing out everything and everybody else because we don't want to deal with what's going on inside of us. And this is why, listen, this is why we like this verse. Don't judge. We start feeling judged and we're like, mm-hmm. don't judge. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's because somewhere, somewhere along the way, maybe we have entered into judging with the wrong motive or the wrong heart or somebody else has done the same to us. And we have a tendency to do this in church. We have a tendency to do this in relationships. And we even have a tendency to do this in our marriage. If you're married here today, you know that we have a tendency to begin to do this. We begin to focus so much on what's going on inside of our spouse that we neglect what's actually going on inside of us. And we begin to point fingers. We begin to sabotage our relationships. We bring strife into our marriage because we become harsh. We become judgmental. We become impatient in our relationships. And this is usually because we either haven't realized that we have a beam in our own eye or because it's easier to point out, point out the things in other people because we don't want to deal with the beam in our eye. And I want to end with, with this final thought in Luke chapter 6. If we go back to that, we won't read it, but Jesus refers to this type of thing. When I have a beam and I'm trying to lead you to be better, I'm trying to lead you out of the place that you're in, this is what Jesus says. Can a blind person lead another blind person? Won't they both fall in the pit? And here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. If you've tried to do this, you know this is true. Because when you had something going on inside of you, and you neglected it, and were trying to help somebody else, it probably didn't make things better. And Jesus says, here's, here's what I know. If you can't see clearly and they can't see clearly, and you're, you can't see clearly, and you're trying to lead somebody else who can't see clearly, you'll both fall in the pit, and it's not going to help. It's actually going to hurt. And so instead of that, you need to help. You need to get the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to help other people. We have to look inside before we ever look around. And when I don't take the time to remove the beam from my eye before trying to help somebody else, we both end up falling. We both end up probably worse off. And we don't, we should not look at, I don't remove the beam in my eye to be able to look around. I remove the beam in my eye so that I can see clearly when the Lord leads me in a direction to help somebody or to point something out or bring something to my attention, I can go help them. I don't, the goal should not be, Lord, remove this beam out of my eye so I can see everybody else's problems. Because whenever you start looking for everybody else's problems, that's when you step over the lines of motive and appearance and criticism, becoming a judgmental person, and you're not operating the way that Scripture calls us to operate. You're operating out of your own agenda. So God wants us to look inside before we ever look around. Will you stand to your feet? I want to bring this to a close. and Here's what I think. Here's what I believe that Jesus is inviting you into today. I think this is an opportunity and this is a moment where he wants to reveal anything in your life 
that he wants to help heal you from or help you get through. Before, you know, we're talking about what the, the scripture says about judging and do not judge and this is how we're supposed to judge and some things that maybe we're not called to judge, but when push comes to shove, the first thing that Jesus wants to help you through is what's going on inside of you so that you can see clearly, so that you can, you can see what he has for your life and if there's somebody that he has for you to help. And if we're called to look out for each other as believers, we have to be able to see clearly. We could say it this way, we can only see clearly when we deal with what's going on inside of ourselves. You can only see clearly when you've dealt with what's going on in you. And you know this to be true. When you don't deal with what's going on inside of you, everything is filtered through your hurt, your sin, your pain, your discouragement. And that's when things become dangerous. So here's what I believe the Lord wants to do today. He wants to, and maybe you already know, you may already know what the thing is. You're like, yeah, you start talking about a beam in my eye, I know what it is that I deal with. I know what my struggle is. I know where I, I, I know what's in my past. I know what I can't seem to get over. I, I know what that thing is. Or you may be here today, and the Holy Spirit in this moment wants to reveal that thing to you. And you may not hear an audible voice, but I believe there's going to be a scenario or a person or a, an instance or something that will probably come to your mind. And it's not to condemn you or cause you to feel guilty, but the Lord wants to heal you. The Lord wants to help you get that beam out of your eye so that you can see clearly so that you don't have to go around maybe hurting those around you because you've never dealt with what's going on inside of you so here's what I'm inviting you to do and the prayer team can go ahead and come we're going to pray if there's anybody that needs prayer for anything today but here's what I'm inviting you to do right there where you are will you just bow your heads and close your eyes and I, I just want this to be a moment where you just focus on what is the Lord speaking to me right now what is the Lord speaking to me right now? And just let him, just, just give him permission. Say, Lord, reveal anything to me that I need to be healed of. Any beam that's in my eye that I need help removing, will you show me right now and give him permission? Lord, we welcome you into our lives. We say, search us. Search us. Show us the areas where we may be struggling. Show us the areas where we may need that, that beam removed out of our eyes. Show us the things that maybe we haven't been quite healed from yet and we're hurting those around us because we've never really given that to you. We've never allowed you to heal us in that area of our life. And Lord, I pray as we sing this last song today, number one, that you are speaking to every person individually because you are so good at that. And Lord, that we would give you permission to search our hearts. To search our thoughts. To search what we've been through. And bring to our remembrance, bring to our attention anything that may need to be dealt with in our own lives. And Lord, I pray if there's any person here in this room that needs prayer for anything in their life anything in their life. If they need prayer, they need encouragement, they need somebody to agree with them or believe with them or just speak life over them, Lord, I pray that every person that needs prayer today would be drawn for prayer as we sing this last song in Jesus' name. Amen.